Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Enjoy local voices. Enjoy local opinions. All on one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast DC is the new local app with hundreds of DC area podcasts. Featuring some of the DC area's best personalities, pundits, and provocateurs. Earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts you love instantly. With new programs being added every week, don't hesitate. Download Podcast DC now for free. Available in the App Store or in Google Play. Podcast DC. Listen local. Mino Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge. Because as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birth this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. Today, we are going to talk about the things that you guys have been asking the most questions about. Um, And I want to thank you guys for sending in your comments and sending your messages. Please keep them coming. I've received a ton of questions related to ultrasound findings and the risk of chromosomal abnormalities. So I thought we'd discuss soft markers of chromosomal abnormalities today and over the next couple of weeks. So we'll start with the single umbilical artery. As a high-risk pregnancy specialist, also called a maternal fetal medicine doctor or perinatologist, a lot of what I do involves diagnosing fetal anomalies and genetic syndromes based on ultrasound findings and then creating management plans for these babies after delivery. So I'm not really sure why it took me so long to do this episode, but it did. So here we go. Usually a fetus or an unborn baby has two arteries and one vein, okay? And I know usually people think, oh, the vein is carrying deoxygenated blood and arteries are carrying oxygenated blood. Well, that is different in the umbilical cord. They're actually the opposite. So your vein is going to carry oxygenated blood to the baby and your arteries are going to carry deoxygenated blood. So when there's a single umbilical artery, this refers to a variation of umbilical cord anatomy in which there's only one artery and one vein. And because of that, some people call it a two-vessel cord. And so usually on ultrasound in the fluid, we're looking at um, what's called a Mickey Mouse sign. So we can see those two arteries and the vein looks somewhat flat. Um, In a two-vessel cord, you just see two little dots, two little vessels. You have one circle and then the little flat um, vein. So it almost looks like a one-eyed cyclops in the fluid is what the cord looks like. Um, It may be an isolated finding or it can be associated with chromosomal abnormalities or genetic anomalies. Um, Fetuses with single umbilical arteries have significantly more chromosomal abnormalities than other babies with three vessel cords. So usually your risk is around 10.3% versus Babies that have a three-vessel cord and no other abnormalities, their risk of having a a chromosome abnormality is about 1%. Um, They also have, are more likely to have other anomalies, okay? So, and that is what increases the risk of the chromosome abnormalities. So, if you see 
a two vessel cord plus a heart defect or plus a kidney abnormality, that bumps your risk of having a chromosomal abnormality up to about 28%. Now, here's a little fun fact. It, the most common baby to have a single umbilical artery are girls, okay? We don't really know why, but this is more common in girls, so it doesn't bother us as much if we see it in little baby girls. And we know that those babies, if it's isolated, go on to live healthy lives, and their pregnancies are usually uneventful. Um, so with no other findings, um, the only thing we really worry about is what's the size of the baby, right? Because if you're if you are negative that there's two vessels in the cord, that means that the blood flow is somewhat compromised. And so that's how eventually the growth of the baby can slow down. So usually we're going to do serial ultrasounds to evaluate a baby's growth. Um, and that's going to be done in about four to six week intervals once the baby is viable. And so some people are like, well, Dr. Plenty, what is viable? So usually... The point of viability is around 23 to 24 weeks. Now, rarely you've seen case reports um, that babies have lived at 22 weeks. Okay, usually 22 weeks is the earliest any hospital will intervene um, for a baby. Uh, but most hospitals have good data on survivability at 23 to 24 weeks. And survivability, meaning the chance of your baby making it, if it's born at that gestational age, is about 40 to 50 percent at 23 to 24 weeks. And then we have to talk about neurologically intact survival, meaning will the baby have any long-term abnormalities or long-term consequences because it's born that early? And so when we look at that, the that 23 to 24 week point, the likelihood that you have a baby that has no issues at all, that's going to survive, that's going to go to school with the other kids its own age, we're looking about 10 to 15%. OK, but once you get there, we know that we can intervene on behalf of that baby if we start to see evidence that the baby is not going to survive. So we will do ultrasounds to see if the baby's growth restricted every four to six weeks, starting at that point of viability. Now, some providers may choose to wait until the third trimester to do these growth scans, which isn't wrong. It's just a preference. So some people say, OK, if your growth restricted at 20 weeks during your anatomy scan and you have a single umbilical artery, then we're going to start growth scans serially at 23 to 24 weeks. But if if you have a normal baby, a normal size baby and a single umbilical artery, then they may say, oh, just come back at 28 to 29 weeks, which is the beginning of the third trimester. And then they'll monitor those babies every month to see if the growth is still OK. OK, so neither one's wrong. It just depends on what else is going on with the baby to determine when we're going to start initiating those serial growth ultrasounds to monitor the baby, okay? There wouldn't be a reason that you need to be delivered early just because of a single umbilical artery. So if you're an OBGYN and you're like, mm, I don't remember if this person's supposed to be delivered early, the answer is no. So if there's no growth restriction, there's no reason that someone with a single umbilical artery should be delivered early. Now, you can electively choose to be induced um, around 39 weeks. Anybody can, okay? But you shouldn't be delivered less than 39 weeks unless there's something else going on with the baby, okay? Like growth restriction or you have other findings or there's a chromosome abnormality. So otherwise, um, you go through your pregnancy normally. We just keep an eye on the growth. So because there can be a constellation of other things going on with a baby with a single umbilical artery and and Based on a basic ultrasound, they wouldn't know if there's other markers. Um, they would send you someone like me, 
maternal fetal medicine specialist. So we can look at your baby from head to toe to see if there's any other markers that would increase your risk of having a chromosomal abnormality. And we would also do a detailed, uh, detailed views of the heart to make sure there's no heart abnormality and the kidneys. A single umbilical artery and kidney abnormalities are really, really common. So we want to make sure that those systems um, are normal. So we need to make sure we do a thorough called a level two ultrasound or a detailed fetal anatomic survey to make sure that all the structures on the baby are normal. So now that we know a little bit more about a single umbilical arteries, let's go to some cases from our listeners. Our first case is a 34-year-old who is 22 weeks pregnant with her third child. Her other two pregnancies were uncomplicated. She was referred by her nurse midwife because she was told that her baby was small with a SUA and a VSD. She presents for a detailed ultrasound to look for other abnormalities and for further management. Okay, this is a really common case for me. Just to break this case down a little bit. So the patient is 34 years old. I don't know if she's going to be 35 or not before the pregnancy ends, but if her due date is after her 35th birthday, then that means that she will be 35 at the time of delivery or anticipated delivery, and that would make her advanced maternal age. So that's one risk factor and one reason that she needs a detailed ultrasound, even if there was not a single umbilical artery or a VSD. So she could have started with a detailed ultrasound and not had a basic ultrasound, but she had the basic. And now we see SUA, which is the same thing as a single umbilical artery, which is what we've been talking about, or two vessel cord, and a VSD, which is a ventricular septal defect, which is a little hole that, that basically blood can be passed from one side of the heart to the other side of the heart. It's actually the most common heart defect. So she has a VSD or the heart defect. She has a single umbilical artery and she has advanced maternal age. So she has three findings that put her at risk for having a chromosomal abnormality. So the detailed scan is the right thing to do. So what I would do is look at this baby from head to toe, make sure that we do what's called a fetal echo, which is a more detailed look at the heart to look at the blood flow in and out of the heart, to look at the vials to make sure there's nothing going on, to make sure that the vessels that exit the heart and enter the heart are in the right orientation. Because commonly, if you have a VSD, sometimes you can have the aorta or the big vessel that carries blood to the rest of the body. It can override that VSD, depending on how, how big it is. And that would be called a tetralogy of Fallot if there were other findings with that, or um, could be called a double outlet right ventricle. Okay, I mean, because it's taking blood from both the left and the right ventricles. So uh, we want to make sure we're doing an echo to make sure there's nothing going on besides that little VSD. Okay. And then with a single umbilical artery, I'm going to make sure that the baby's not too small and also check the kidneys and the rest of the baby to make sure they're normal. The biggest thing I would do for this patient is do genetic counseling, because even if I didn't see anything extra besides the three things that she's sent for, which are advanced maternal age, if, she, if she'll be 35 before the due date, single umbilical artery and the hole in the heart, that by itself increases her risk of having a baby with a chromosomal abnormality. So I would counsel her about the options. And in this case, her options include either getting a genetic amniocentesis, which is the gold standard for genetic testing during pregnancy. That's when we take a little needle. And I know it sounds scary. Like people are like, oh my God, you're going to put a needle in my belly. It sounds scarier than it is. I do hundreds of these a year. It, we just put a little needle into the belly 
through the uterus. We withdraw fluid and we send that for the baby's genetic makeup. Now that can test you for all the trisomies. So anytime there's extra chromosomes, it could test you for all of that. And it also um, will test you for any little piece of chromosome that's missing or inserted, as long as it's about more than five base pairs long. And usually if it's a if it's a bigger genetic defect, then we usually see a lot of other things going on. Same thing with a single gene mutation. So if there's only one gene, um, usually that goes with syndromes, okay? We usually see a constellation of findings that lead us to the diagnosis of a syndrome, okay? Or the other thing she could do is start with an NIPT, which is a non-invasive prenatal test, which is really not a test, it's a screen. Um, so most people call it NIPS now because it's not a test. It will screen for trisomy 18, which is Edwards syndrome, trisomy uh, 13, which is Patel syndrome, and trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome, okay? So it screens for those three things. The thing that the single umbilical artery out of those chromosomal abnormalities is most closely related to is actually trisomy 18, okay? And 99% or excuse me, 98% of those babies have heart defects. And they're not just VSDs. They're usually major heart defects, okay? Rarely we'll see a little VSD and some other constellation of findings with trisomy 18. Um, but with a VSD and a single umbilical artery, we need to rule that out, okay? Especially if the baby is small, which is the case here. The baby is small, so it leans us towards a chromosome abnormality. The other thing that it can be is trisomy 13, which the NIPT also screens for, but it could be other things. And so the um, the the NIPT or non-invasive prenatal screen is really good at screening for those three things, but it sucks at everything else, okay? Everything else, even if you get the extended panel, the sensitivity or the likelihood that that test is going to detect that is going to be really low. We're talking about 40 to 60% for the other stuff, okay? So it's not meant as a test and it's not meant to screen you for all the other stuff. It's just meant to screen you for the three most common chromosome abnormalities. So if it's negative, then I would still recommend that a genetic amniocentesis be done with these findings. And if it wouldn't change anything for the mom, then I would do serial growth scans on this baby. I would do the formal fetal echo. I would make sure that she has consultation with um, the pediatric cardiologist because they'll need to do an echo after the baby gets here. And we would go from there. But um, I would urge her to get genetic testing before, during the pregnancy, before the baby is born. So the case pearl for this case is a single umbilical artery with other findings should always prompt genetic consultation and testing. Pregnancy Pearls is brought to you by Nutrafol. The changes in your body postpartum can take a toll on your hair. More than 50% of women experience excessive shedding naturally within three to four months of giving birth. Nutrafol's goal is to empower women to embrace the beauty of their hair growth recovery with Nutrafol postpartum by targeting the root causes of postpartum thinning hair, like the physical stress of childbirth and the emotional stress of parenting, as well as nutrient depletion. Healthier hair growth takes time. In three to six months, you'll begin to see and feel results such as thicker, stronger hair that looks healthier. Consistency is key. As Nutrafol's powerful ingredients bring your body back into balance, you may also notice improvements in your overall well-being. 
including more restful sleep, less stress, and better skin and nails. You can grow stronger, healthier hair, and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and using the promo code PREGNANCYPEARLS to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their very best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code PREGNANCYPEARLS. All right, what's our second case for the day? Our second case is a 38-year-old who is 21 weeks pregnant with her first child. On her basic anatomy scan, she was found to have a single umbilical artery, but no other findings. She was told that the growth of her baby was also normal. She previously had a low-risk NIPT, which was low-risk and a normal alpha-fetal protein level at 16 weeks. She was sent for a detailed ultrasound and further counseling and management. Okay, so a couple things, and I'm not trying to beat up the OBs, but if you are an OB colleague and you're listening, start sending these advanced maternal age patients directly to MFM because they have a higher risk of findings. And it's not because you're incapable of counseling and it's not because your sonographers aren't good, but it's because we're trained to do that. Like that's, we want to help. We want to help you. And it slows you down because OBGYNs are super busy. I mean, they have a lot of patients they see during the day. So when you have somebody that's more likely to have an abnormal finding, it is hard for my OB colleagues to stop what they're doing to rescan somebody or to counsel them about the likelihood of a genetic abnormality. So start sending those patients to MFM so we can do these detailed ultrasounds. We're not, we just want to help. Okay. So I'll start there. And then um, secondly, um, I would do a detailed scan on this patient. Obviously she's 38 and she has a single umbilical artery. I'm glad that she's already had a low risk um, non-invasive prenatal screen. That's great. Um, that is very sensitive for the three most common chromosomal abnormalities. And she's already had a low alpha fetal protein, a low risk alpha fetal protein. And what that tells me is that screens for spinal cord abnormalities. Okay. So if your AFP or your alpha fetal protein level is high, then that will put you at increased risk for having a baby with spina bifida. And it could also put you at increased risk of having a baby that has a bowel defect. So like a gastroschisis where the bowel is outside of the body of the baby or and it's free floating in the fluid or an amphalocele where the bowel is outside but it's covered by a, a thin layer, okay? It's covered by a skin layer. Um, so that's an amphalocelin gastroschisis. A, the elevated AFP or alpha fetal protein tells us that. It tells us to go hunting for that. So if you have a normal alpha fetal protein level, we can rest assured that there's nothing really going on with the spine or um, the cord insertion and the bowel being outside of the body. That's why that's relevant. If I do a detailed scan and I only see a single umbilical artery in somebody that's already had a low risk NIPT, pretty much the patient can breathe, right? The likelihood of something going, being abnormal with the rest of the baby being normal and a normal size is pretty slim. It's very, very slim. Now I counsel everybody that has soft markers and our advanced paternal age, meaning over age 35 with a singleton or one baby or over age 33 or 33 and over with twins. Um, I counsel everybody um, because that's two risk factors. 
So if you have two risk factors, I'm going to offer you a genetic amniocentesis, even if you've had an NIPT. But I will tell you that the likelihood that your baby has a chromosome abnormality or that anything is going to go wrong with the pregnancy is really low. We see single umbilical arteries all the time. It happens in about one in 100 to one in 300 pregnancies will have a single umbilical artery. So it's not uncommon for us to see this, okay? Um, the big thing still would be you need serial growth scans to monitor the growth of the baby because, because we see it and you're very early, you're still at risk for your baby eventually falling off the growth curve and being smaller. But in terms of other things bad happening to the baby, there wouldn't be any risk and the risk of you having um, a chromosome abnormality or anything else will be very, very slim after you've had a detailed anatomy scan. The case pearl for this case is isolated single umbilical artery should be monitored for growth problems with the baby. Otherwise, there's not an increased risk of many other abnormalities. Okay, what's our email case for the day? This one says, Dr. Plenty, I'm 18 weeks pregnant and was told that my baby has a single umbilical artery. I was told that everything else was completely normal. I do not have any medical problems. What are the long-term complications that can happen with a single umbilical artery? The first thing I would say is you need a detailed scan to make sure that there really is only a single umbilical artery. So if you've had a detailed scan, if you've had a if you've had an MFM look at the heart really thoroughly to make sure nothing else is going on with the heart and the kidneys, um, and there really is only a single umbilical artery, then you're good. The next thing you would need is growth scan serially to make sure your baby's not growth restricted. Now, let's say your baby is growth restricted. Then after delivery, that baby will be monitored. And depending on how big the baby is and the protocol of the hospital, some doctors choose to monitor growth restricted babies for four to six hours in the NICU or even overnight, even if they come out screaming. But everybody's protocol is a little bit different. Uh, most hospitals don't. If your baby ends up being born under four pounds or under four pounds, one ounce, then they would be kept just for, you know, just to make sure they're getting proper nutrients um, and to make sure that there's no other problems with the baby, um, namely uh, hyperbilirubinemia, which is... Um, you know, neonatal jaundice and things like that that can develop when babies are very small and they don't get good blood flow. There was a recent episode on neonatal jaundice. Go back and listen to that one um, because that's the biggest risk factor with, you know, preterm or with smaller babies. They are monitored a little bit closer for that. If your growth is okay, the baby's growing um, appropriately and gaining weight after delivery, um, usually babies catch up that are growth restricted by age two. So they catch up to what they would be genetically um, by age two. So just because the baby's small doesn't mean their baby's going to always be small. Um, they do catch up. But let's say your baby's growth is completely normal and there's nothing else that happens during the pregnancy and the cord is clamped. And what happens after that? Well, nothing. You go home with a small, with a, with a, with a screaming baby. That's a normal size baby. So there's no real long-term implications of a single umbilical artery. The baby doesn't use that circulatory system after it's born, right? That's how that baby got nutrients from the placenta. So once that's cut, it's not utilized anymore. Every once in a while, you know, people can give medicines or injections through the umbilical artery, you know, or excuse me, the umbilical vein 
right in the newborn period if they can't get access early. But other than that, I mean, eventually that thing stripples up and becomes a ligament. And so when we're operating on adults and doing laparoscopic surgery, we can see the remnant of those umbilical vessels, but uh, they're not utilized. They mean nothing. They don't have any long-term implications. They, it doesn't need to be followed after delivery. Your baby doesn't need an echo or any diagnostic testing if it's already normal during the pregnancy. So you can breathe. You can breathe. It doesn't mean anything. So I believe that is all of our cases for today and our medical intern shaking her head. Yes. So thank you guys so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls podcast. I hope that you've learned a little bit more about the soft markers, specifically the fetal single umbilical artery or what we also call the two vessel cord. If you've been enjoying the podcast, make sure to rate and leave a comment on your preferred platform and don't keep me a secret. Make sure to share with friends and family. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.